Welcome back for another exciting edition of Three Point Range. This is your host, Mike Berardino, along with your co-host and uh, founder and, and uh, brainstormer, the scout, Kimball Crosley, and the professor, another founding member, uh, Tim Crothers, down in North Carolina. And we'll go to the professor because that's what we like to do. Well, I know you boys love my quizzes, and here we go. It's time for another quiz. Uh, as the professor, I feel like it's my duty to give you all a quiz every every few weeks just to make sure you're you're staying up with the the crowd. Um, no googling, obviously. I have to tell my uh, tell my students all the time you can't Google. This is a uh, this is a closed book quiz. All right, so here here it is. What do these folks have in common? Rick Mount, Tom McMillan, Mike Peterson, Bruce Hardy, John Peters. And Sebastian Telfair. They're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, uh, or Faces in the Crowd. They're in Faces in the Crowd, Sports Illustrated, as children. Uh, uh, nope, that is not correct. Okay. Give me but the list. It's a, it, that Rick Mount, Tom McMillan, Mike Peterson, Bruce Hardy, John Peters, and Sebastian Telfair. I will say that Mike is on to something. Maybe they're on the cover of Sports Illustrated as high school players. They considered the best uh, when they were high school and were they get one time considered the best of the, the litter? Um, they, they were all on the cover of Sports Illustrated as high school athletes. That's exactly right. what I said. It is. I, I, am, right. I, am, I remember, I am. yeah, the Bruce Hardy one for sure. Yeah. Yep. And obviously, um, all of them, um, well, I'll, you, you guys take the rest of the quiz. What happened? Are they, what, what else do they have in common? They all served in the United States Congress. <laughs> <laughs> no, simpler than that. <laughs> what about, what, what do they have in common in terms of the results of their career? Based on the fact that they were high school athletes on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Well, don't 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 be so, ugly about the Dolphins' lack of a championship in Bruce Hardy's career. No, that's not it. That's not they, it. I mean, generally they were disappointments, right? Correct, I mean, correct. That's what I'm getting at, Rick. I mean, all of them, oh. all of them to some extent, and 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 Bruce Hardy certainly has had a fine career, um, but. Based on the fact that they were, you know, they were on, they were on the Sports Illustrated cover, along, alongside of people like um, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, and Bryce Harper, all, all, all as the chosen one. It's important to note that uh, that these guys, uh, these guys were. Um, not did not live up to their hype. Um, you know, Rick Mount, little little time in the ABA. Tom McMillan, a little time in the NBA. Mike Peterson um, did not, I, as far as I know, do anything professional. Bruce Hardy, as Mike suggests, was a pretty good NFL player, but not not a superstar. John Peters had an injury and never never amounted amounted to anything in the in MLB. And Sebastian Telfer was basically a a uh, disappointment in his basketball career. 
Um, all right, so you're ready for the next part of the quiz? Can yes. I ask Mike okay. Peterson? Uh, huh? Who's Mike Peterson? <laughs> Linebacker? Exactly. Uh, he was a, uh, he was a I, believe, I believe, a Utah schoolboy athlete who was touted as a multi-sport star, mm. but, uh, but ended up doing... Um, you know, working in a ski shop or something. I don't know exactly. Let me just I, say before before I move on, I I think it's important to give. I would say of that list, Tom McMillan, it would seem like off the top of my head had the had the best had the biggest sports impact and of course societal impact because he did Correct. go to the House of Representatives and Dean Smith desperately wanted him to play for him and he and he went to yes he went to Maryland instead and then uh, played in you know one of the greatest games of all time against NC State and and certainly was part of a powerhouse team at Maryland and I remember him with the Washington Bullets mm -hmm. back then and uh um and that's I just uh, it's a shame that uh, you're you've uh, gerrymandered your list to uh, to <laughs> to make him into a failure. <laughs> I am not saying any of these people are failures. I'm just saying none of them unlike other SI cover boy high school athletes like LeBron, Kate, Kevin Garnett, and Bryce Harper did not become, the, did not live up to the the chosen one hype. I mean, LeBron and I think Harper both were actually had the same SI cover tag, the chosen one. What a, and yeah. they both, you know, I think you can say they've lived up to it. Um, but these other guys, I mean, yes, they've had, they've had, they had careers that most people would, would, kill for but they are none of them became the chosen one i just i would just like to petition uh, uh formally that tom mcmillan be removed from this list <laughs> <laughs> you I, I will i will take it under advisement okay um all right so here's the net here's the second part of our quiz and i'd like kimball to take this first because i think mike you'll probably be on on top of this but i'm not sure kimball will be kimball can you tell me who connor bedard is uh, I'm going to make a while. Do I get, do I, is it better not to answer the quiz and you don't get to no, Googling, no, no Googling, by the way, no Googling. Um, no, Googling, yes. I'm, I'm, I might be stalling, but is this a quiz might where like, I'm, I'm penalized for wrong answers, but maybe I better if I pass, if I don't know the answer. Form of a question. Um, just, I, yeah, I, just I, fill in, fill in C if you don't know, because that's, that's most likely Figure skating, something with the skating, maybe speed skating. Uh, well, you are you're getting there. I assume, Mike, you know who Connor Bedard is, or do you not? I do. No, I know he's a hockey young hockey uh, stud. Uh, but I don't. I don't have any more than that for you. Correct, Connor Bedard. The reason we're going through this is because, as as you may know, I don't or not, the NHL season is only only about ten days away at this point, and. Uh, and the biggest story in the NHL this season, at least at the start, is going to be an 18-year-old kid by the name of Connor Bedard. He's the number one draft pick last year. And uh, he is, his name has come, has come up alongside the names of young now, whoa, whoa, chosen one, chosen whoa. ones. I, I'm just telling you what, what the hype is. He, is, he, has been, he has been mentioned alongside as a generational talent alongside Connor, Connor McDavid and yes, Wayne Gretzky. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see what, what happens. Uh, you know, this kid is, 
as I said, 18. He is going to be thrown onto the first line for the Chicago Blackhawks. He was the number one pick in the draft last year. He is small, um, listed 5'10", 185. I don't even know if he's that big. And obviously he's very young and he's playing on a very sketchy team, uh, which often happens when you're the number one draft pick. Now you look at the history and you go back and you say, all right, well, what, what was the deal with Gretzky and Bedard and, uh, and uh, McDavid? Both of them played their first seasons in, in that 17, 18 range. And they were both reasonably successful right from the start. So will Connor Bedard be that successful? Uh, it's hard to say, obviously. Um, he's sort of put himself, he sort of placed himself in an interesting position. Um, I guess one more quiz. What number was Wayne Gretzky? What, what, what jersey number did he wear? 99. There you go. What number does Connor McDavid wear? Uh-oh, 99? Nope. 88? 97. Oh. All right, so Connor McDavid, 97. Wayne Gretzky, 99. What do you think? What number do you think Connor Bedard is going to wear? 98. Nice. Correct. He's wearing 98 because you cannot wear 99. That's just, that's just no one does that for obvious reasons. But uh, Connor Bedard has chosen to be right there in between Connor McDavid's 97 and Wayne Gretzky's 99, wearing 98 as a rookie for the Blackhawks. Uh, interesting. And one other fact there was another chosen one on the NHL uh, from the NHL on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I don't know if does Sports Illustrated still exist. I'm not sure, but if not, it did, not in my world, not in my world either. Uh, if it if it did, Connor Bedard would be on the cover. I guarantee you, as the next chosen one. And this happened back in the late '80s. A guy named Bobby Carpenter was quote unquote the can't miss kid on the front cover of Sports Illustrated, and Bobby Carpenter, you also are. You might also argue Mike should be should not be included on the list of of my quote unquote failures, because he had an eighteen year career in the NHL, won a Stanley Cup, um, scored three hundred goals, but he was not the can't miss kid. He had he was a he played on a lot of teams. He was a good solid player, but not the can't miss kid. So I guess the big question now as we as we ramp up for the NHL season is going to be is Connor Bedard going to be going to be Mike Peterson? Is he going to be Bobby Carpenter? Or is he going to be Connor McDavid? I won't even go to Gretzky because that's that's blasphemy, but uh, but he could be any one of those three. And I think it's just instructive to look back and realize that that yeah, young athletes who are Supposedly generational talent. I'll leave out Tom McMillan, Rick Mount, Mike Peterson, Bruce Hardy, John Peters, Sebastian Telfair. Doesn't always happen. And I mean, you look at Connor Bedard's highlights. You, you they're dazzling. They will, they will be. Uh, they will, they will make you believe that this kid could be the next, the next one. But, uh, but it's going to be fun as the NHL season starts. To see whether this kid and uh, you know what which one of those levels he's gonna he's gonna find himself, and I I wonder uh, I really do I really wonder whether what, what we're looking at here, but we might be talking 
on uh, on uh, three point range episode three hundred about the uh, about the amazing Connor Bedard. What do you guys think? I'm going to push you to have a point here, Tim. Because, yeah. Uh, I, I I, thought... My point is that not that there's we 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 tend to anoint players. Yes. And and that's just what we do in this business. And everybody just assumes that. Well, we, we anointed we anointed LeBron James, and look what happened. We anointed Bruce, uh, Bryce Harper, and look what happened. But we forget that we also anoint anointed Rick Mount, Mike Peterson, Bruce Hardy, John Peters, and Sebastian Telfair, and we don't know where they are now. And, so. and fair enough. I mean, it's it's a good topic. It's a good point. But what I was getting at is I thought you were going to go eventually to whether this is right or wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. it is amazing right, that we do that to these these kids. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and then I thought if you're going to go how wrong it is, I was going to say, well, somebody was writing about Tiger Woods really early on in his in his career. Correct. Um, and it is it is really Didn't fascinating. Didn't put him on the cover though. Didn't put him on the cover. Right, we should they, have. We should have. Then we put. Yeah, what was that conversation like? How did how did he not get on the cover uh, when you guys first uh, started the hype machine that he, was all directly placed? He he really hadn't. He really had not done anything that you could you could um to use to, to put him on that pedestal yet he he was basically a really successful junior golfer but he had yet when i wrote about him at 14 he had not he had not even won his first u.s amateur yet so mike, but the mike douglas show right <laughs> right and honestly part of the reason that that wouldn't that was not a, not a cover uh, is because i went out to watch him try to qualify for the los angeles open and be the youngest player in 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 uh in history to play in a pga event and he failed he the story my story was about uh him trying to qualify for the la open and and failing that he was he was out outclassed by mac o'grady ding and uh <laughs> Beta blockers, <laughs> Mac, Mac slipped, Mac, Mac uh, must have uh, put something in his drink. That's what right. it was. Because Mac was well, known, known for that experimental stuff. There you go. Poor, poor kid. I did not so, know that. Well, it's funny, but I, the point being, we weren't going to put him on the cover based on a story that was being written about the fact that he did uh, not qualify for the, for the Los Angeles Open. Boy, that's um, funny. And I remember you were so high on Tiger and, and you kind of were calling the shot that he was going to be great. So that's interesting. And maybe, you know, everything you said is still true, but mm -hmm. that is interesting. In my memory, I thought we kind of had anointed Tiger. Then it was amazing that he turned out to be this, but that's just. We only anointed him in the fact that we gave him a three page feature in Sports Illustrated when he was 14 <laughs> years old and hadn't done anything. That's pretty I mean, that, that's, 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 you know, it, the only thing we didn't do was put him on the cover. Yes, but we did. We did. Well, at that yeah. time, if I recall, uh, he already had the clip uh, cut out uh, Nicholas career achievements taped up over his bed. You you were the sure. first one to reveal that to the world, I believe. Was that, was Maybe that I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm that's just sure. such a that's a tale will be repeated forever. Uh, talking about you know youth and achievement and goals and. And what's fair to shoot for? And he shot. He, you know, he went for the very top, and and uh, it was there for a reason. And uh, of course, there's so many aspects of it. But 
um, he obviously uh, could handle it. But in general, I'm with Kimball. I, I think this, uh, that's a horrible thing uh, for anybody to deal with, uh, to for somebody to put a, a minor up against, um, you know, right side by side with someone who essentially reinvented the sport in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. whatever the sport and that's uh, just it's just a crushing amount of pressure especially with mental health for all athletes whether they're amateur or pro at this stage is is a is more of a public issue than ever and uh, I, I would almost say that um, yeah I cringe every time you, you we mention one of these although the three you know the couple of those that you mentioned several of those that you mentioned uh, uh, Harper LeBron and um, Garnett, Garnett uh, would suggest that in the era of AAU and and uh, travel baseball, at least those sports, it's easier to telegraph uh, long-term greatness. I mean, you don't know how the money's going to affect them. You don't know how a uh, first dose of failure will affect them. But the raw talent, I think we've gotten more efficient, it would seem, because like uh, it's these people are known. They're on ESPN playing high school football against – you know, uh, Bishop Sycamore uh, in uh, in uh, in their teens, but right. uh, maybe it has gotten more efficient. So let's hope that there's not as uh, there never another. There's never another crushing David Clyde type uh, moment. Man, good ding on David Clyde. I thought David Clyde was on the cover of SI at one time, but I was I, in doing my research. I realized he was much like Tiger, just anointed within the pages of the magazine, but was never actually on the cover. But David Clyde's another example of, of you know, we we miss way more than we hit on the chosen one. We miss way more than we hit. So, you know, it's it really is unfair because there's not, none of these guys have ever asked for it, and well, Connor Bedard hasn't asked for it except for picking ninety eight, which might might have right. And, and getting to the right or wrong, you know, angle on this. That's what I would say is, you know, if the person welcomes the attention like you know you can't just go in and do a three-page story on someone without you know often without their you know help and so a parent or high school kid and say like no you know don't don't write me up don't come into my living room don't look at my posters on my wall you know don't and 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 in this case you know interesting picking that number now that might have been a pr guy's choice more than his but you know, you're you're bringing on yourself. I I do want to say that I I I've always found it was amazing that Bryce Harper has become as good as he has because I always thought when that happened, baseball is a much tougher sport to go ahead and achieve. You know, to be picked out that early because even though we could have great physical gifts, it's such a mental game and you know the like the the craft of it. Whereas like LeBron was an easier call when you see this man child, you know, six, eight kid in high school, like that's an easier say like, well, this guy's gonna be pretty darn good. So I, I've always been amazed that Harper like was able to deal with everything and still be a great player. Right. Well, we've all been in the Chapel Hill Rotisserie League long enough to know how many number one minor league draft picks have, have gone, <laughs> gone to utter crap and how many, how many, uh, Ronald Acuna's were picked sixth in our draft and ended up being great. So you just don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, but, but it's, I think as from a fan standpoint, it is a, it's, we don't, we don't get guys who are predicted to be generational talents that often. So it just, it, it gives us something that's going to be fun to watch for the first, for, for the rookie season of Connor Bedard. All right.
That was a good opening salvo. And now it's time for point number two. And it's the scout. What do you got? All right. Well, before I get to my point, I will say one thing. I do still read Sports Illustrated because I'm on planes a lot. I need a magazine to read. But coincidentally, they there just had other a, magazines. They just had an, an better, certainly better ones. A high school football quarterback that they're kind of anointing. You know, I think he's even just like a sophomore. And to me, that is preposterous because talking about quarterbacks and how unpredictable they are and how many things can go wrong, that is wild. Zach All right. Wilson. Exactly. Not quite a quiz here. But sort of, um, uh, you guys know I, I hate Mike Krzyzewski. That's a given, right? Uh, yeah. No, no. Okay. <laughs> and I hate Duke, and I hate Boston teams, right? Of course, I hate Tom Brady. We know these things, right? And we know how much I, I hate Bill Belichick, right? And we know I have reason to hate Bill Belichick, right? We, I hate you know, I hate the modern trend in sports to, toward ending every hey, sentence hey, with hey, right. Hey. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, wow. Nice. I so, hate it. And, and I have reason to, obviously, because he was coached for a day of the New York Jets. He was supposed to lead us to the promised land and instead went to evil New England and he's won six Super Bowls, blah, blah, blah. So I have reason to hate him. So you should, I should be able to take matters into my own hands, right? Like, obviously, coming off this just disastrous, latest disaster, you mentioned Zach Wilson and the Patriots beating the Jets for the 15th straight time, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be well in my rights to just, like, act out, you know? And I forget if I even mentioned this on the three-point range uh, last year, but this time last year, not Bill Belichick, but I had a, a chance to, to, to act out. I was there next to Josh Allen at the San Diego Padres playoff game in the, you know, in the same uh, suite with him with an open window. When he's looking out, I could have just nudged him over the edge, really improved the Jets' chances, really hurt the Bills' chances. Later, he was walking down the stairs. I could have given him a little, a little shove, a little bump, maybe even gotten away with it, you know, and maybe I'll, I'm not saying, you know, uh, do irreparable damage, but I definitely could have like made him sprain his knee or do something like that. My point is this, you know, I'm big on sports, hate on hate, but come on people. And this is a roughly obvious point, but let's not take it too far. I never would push Josh Allen down the stairs. I wouldn't lay hands on Bill Belichick as much as I dislike him or Mike Krzyzewski or any of these people. I would never do such a thing. But as you guys are probably well aware, and I don't know if all our listeners are aware, but we just had some major incidents in this regard, right? We had last week, not this past. A man week. was killed. <laughs> well, well, first, a right. A Dolphins fan was killed in the uh, stands. It was a New England fan theoretically killed by a Dolphin fan. Uh, I thought it was the other way. No, no, no. Oh, it was New England guy, New Hampshire guy, and 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 then there's a question about how culpable the Dolphin fan was who did hit him. Yeah, because the man had a uh, cardiac episode, existing yeah. condition, mm -hmm. whatever. So, All but right. yes, not man's cardiac, dead. But he is dead. at a ball game. Yeah, and okay. and 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 I don't know if you go on the Twitter machine like I do, but. Like, there's always a, a football stadium brawl. <laughs> like, it's just fans cannot go. I haven't been to that in a long time. But you cannot go to a game without guys just like, like men, women, just 
having these wild brawls wearing all their gear. And just like, I always wonder like, how did it get that way? How did it get to that point? Like, no, you suck. No, you suck. Oh, here, you know, like, oh, that was a first down. Oh, that was a, a, a you know, a penalty. Oh, now I'm going to punch you in the face. But even bigger, we had Colorado State in Colorado, right? And of course we had that the, the defensive back, Henry Blackburn, you know, a legal hit on Travis Hunter of Colorado, you know, injured him. And right, we had death threats. We had death threats coming from the Colorado friends to Henry Blackburn for, yes, it wasn't a legal hit, but come on, people. <laughs> it's really, really for a college football game. And, and, and yes, it, it was policed on the field. And I guess at some point in a violent sport like football, you could say that people can go over the line, you know, but I don't think that was the case. And that was like the need for like uh, people to take justice into their own hands. So I will let you guys address this in a second, but I do, I do want to like showing that I really have an open heart and I'm not all full of hate and violence. I will extend the olive branch to the great Bill Belichick, brilliant and also funny who just yesterday, as you guys probably know, had one of the great lines coming from an unlikely source when he was asked about Travis Kelsey and how he's, you know, probably dating Taylor Swift right now. <laughs> and Bill Belichick said, the man has made a lot of great catches in his career, but this might be his greatest. Oh, my God. And and uh, so, Bill, I love you. You're hilarious. Keep up the comedy. You're great. <laughs> Coach, a great man, I would never hurt you, and I certainly will never threaten your well-being. <laughs> I'm just so happy that that we managed to get Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift onto the podcast so that we could join the rest of the world in <laughs> caring about the thing that obviously matters most. I mean, let's 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 line it up right now on the things that matter most in the world. Uh, number two, world peace. Number one. Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. I mean, but can you know, we, could we stop? She's in danger. Like people think she's in a lot of danger now because she's <laughs> like voice her political feelings and, and she's, she literally feels unsafe. Crazy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When she, uh, when she shows up along with Chad Henney and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in the next subway ad, that's when you know it's just time to take it to the house. But yeah, how about the recency bias or the or the uh, Nat's uh, attention span of sports media, where everybody's just acting like this is the the, the most significant all time pairing of of entertainment and sports in, in a uh, in a relationship, and like uh, nobody's really reminding us of. Uh, DiMaggio and Monroe, or a variety of others. That's the biggest one. That's the biggest one. <laughs> that is the but biggest one. I agree have with to that. Say, yeah. Um, most uh, just a seismic. But, um, and of course, they got married. But Travis and uh, Taylor walked out. They weren't even holding hands. They, and, and you got Jarrett Payton, Walter's son, filming it. 
with his cell phone. He's the one. <laughs> they talk about all these. What, what is Jared Payton doing? One is not one that's going to bring about a lot of debate, but trying to bring it back in. Mike, covering yeah. college. I don't think we should in this case. I think this is, I think, <laughs> I, I think this is, the world wants to talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I Last night I had a conversation with my daughter who is 112% Swifty. And she, she and I had had a debate about where the heck, if when they were leaving the stadium and they wanted to go on a date in Kansas City, where the heck would you go on a date as Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift in Kansas City? Where could you go? Where could you go? Uh, I'd send them to nowhere. Uh, Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. There's several convenient locations. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And that's like they can get a back back room under those tables and just they put a little sign up private mm-hmm. and they'll have a lovely meal. What's uh-huh. wrong with that? Uh, I just I Jack Stack I just, brought to you by Jack Stack. Official. It's, it's fascinating. To, celebrity is fascinating to me. It's mm. you know, it's the beauty of beauty of you know Rick Riley always used to talk about how how uh, you know a writer could walk down you know the most famous writer could walk down the street and nobody would know who the heck he is but. You know the the lowliest sports center anchor could could uh, could walk down the street and everybody go, hey, I yeah. His his version was his version was Tom Mee's rest in peace, but uh, <laughs> but yes, um, that I I just think it's it's it, celebrity is a fast is a fascinating thing and what 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 in the world, you know how could you ever carry on any sort of like. Well, you know, what What if you just wanted to go to a movie? What if you wanted to see Barbie? What are you going to do? I mean, you can't. You either have to rent the theater for yourself, which isn't any fun, or you, you're you just stuck. You can't do anything. It's, it's I think it takes me back to Tiger. We used to talk about that all the time. The guy couldn't go anywhere. He was stuck in his house. You can walk outside, you're mobbed. It's a, it's a nightmare. You know where you can go uh, for that is uh, Perkins. Really? Yep. You can go. Nobody knows you in Perkins. You can go Perkins late at night. No bad things. Bad. I know some bad things that have happened in Perkins. I will say that. Like very little time left, please. (laughs) All right, you cover college football. How rabid are these fans? How dangerous are these fans? Uh, Like now, is the Notre Dame coach in trouble because ten men on the field at the end of the game? I mean, tell Mm -hmm. me. No, I don't think anything's gotten to that level yet. But Ohio, but Ohio State and Notre Dame people, you know, uh, in the same stadium. Um, as far as well, there was a brawl, there was a brawl on on Eddy Street. Uh, I'd say a few hundred yards from the entrance to the stadium, but it was all with the uh, uh, ruckus. Uh, the ruckus was about Utes, the Utes, the local Utes. It didn't seem like it was an Ohio State versus. Uh, Notre Dame thing, and so thankfully everyone got out of it. But there were or, uh, half dozen arrests of kids in the eighteen to twenty-one range, and I don't think they were attending either institution necessarily. But it was just a, it was it was a street fair kind of deal, a lot of drinking, of course. It was a night game. It went on, and, it's, and that's one of the problems. But um, we're gonna we're gonna have to pause right there and reload our Cisco WebEx. So we thank you for finding us here at Three Point Range, and um, we have more for you. You can find more at the on the Facebook page sometimes and the Substack sometimes, and we just thank you for sticking with us this long. 
Okay, so we're we're still uh, we're not quite ready for the third point because I think we have a little more to to tie up here and, and decide on Taylor Swift and who she really should be dating. But the the question I have, and we were just speaking off the air, this is air, uh, about the uh, the time that Taylor Swift was in Cats and uh, the movie version of Cats, and uh, I believe Kimball is the one American, maybe the one person in the world who thinks that wasn't a bad idea for her. <laughs> Well, I don't know if the, I think you're putting words into my mouth, Mike, but um, I, uh, no, I, I've seen parts of that movie on uh, movie channels when I've been in hotels and yeah, it's, it's awkward and it's strange and it's not my cup of tea, but when people say it was such a train wreck and a disaster, I go like, well, yes, but why was the musical on Broadway not considered such when it's basically the same show? the same script, the same score, the same concept. I don't know. Maybe it's just the difference between film and, and stage. And uh, I, I don't know. Jane, Dame did, you ever, did you ever see Cats on Broadway? No. And, and because, again, it never seemed like it was my kind of thing, you know. Um, but it was I such have. a success. I have, I've too. Seen I've seen it I've Broadway seen it. and off-Broadway. Yes. And, wow. and do you guys like it? You, do you like it? It's a it's a guilty pleasure. It's a strange I yes, thing. Tim. Tim, uh, I, I, I don't. It was a long time ago. I can't really remember. All I remember is I was sitting on an aisle seat, and all of a sudden there was like a cat standing right next to me, and I got a little freaked out. <laughs> well, that's I mean, I mean, they 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 do a lot of stuff out in the audience during the show, you know, where there's just cats popping up everywhere, and uh, I'm not really a cat person. So no, I, I didn't. I, it, it wasn't my cup of tea either. And I, I think, I think, uh, I we were again. We were talking off air. I think Taylor Swift has made very few poor career decisions. But, but uh, having not seen the movie, I'm I'm just a little surprised that she did that based on the reaction that most people had to the movie. Sounded like it was pretty bad, but I don't know. I'd also like to suggest that maybe this is an entrepreneurial opportunity for someone, but there needs to be a dating app for super famous, incredibly wealthy people. Agreed. So, you know, Agreed. billionaires only kind of thing. And because um, how would, you know, they're not, it's, it's, they always have to have intermediaries and, and someone, you know, Liz Rosenberg has to be the one picking up the phone. She used to be Madonna's PR person. And then she would, she would get, get word to Canseco, get word to A-Rod, whatever. I don't know. But Taylor Swift's going down a slippery slope here that can only Im Im impair her ability to write lasting pop uh, songs. And uh, she's, she's doing this on purpose. You know that. She, her whole career is not going to end well. Horrible relationships. Yeah, yeah, it's and, not, this, uh, and Travis uh, Kelsey's just going to be the latest. Yeah. Subject of a song. It's gonna be it's you know. Oh, you said the name of the song will be Playboy. Maybe Chief Playboy. I don't know. Something <laughs> like that. Uh is it possible that like so many of us, Taylor Swift's just afraid of finding happiness because if she does find contentment, she'll lose her her edge and then she'll the only thing left will be to retire and move to uh, the south of France or somewhere in Italy. That's Rhode what, Island. It'll happen or Rhode Island. So anyway, that I just like to say, if Roger Federer has a like a nephew or or maybe even a how old is Federer? Forty. He must have like a nephew. He's a little old for, but uh, somebody of that ilk with uh, with some uh, dignity and uh, apparently we don't really know what anybody's like, but um, 
somebody, uh, but maybe, you know, who knows, maybe this is really the way the, the past year wants to go. Maybe Kimball can look through the Padres organization and find somebody suitable for it. It's, um, why does she have to have anybody? I, I, I don't know, but um, uh, what a performer, apparently, and uh, what a social phenomenon. You know, Gannett, uh, which I work for, uh, part of the Gannett machine, as it remains, uh, they recently hired a full-time reporter based out of the Nashville Bureau, Tennessee, and of course, but uh, could be anywhere, just to follow Taylor Swift around. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's a paparazzi type thing, but just to be ready to write about Taylor Swift at any hour of the day, anything comes up, it's a pretty smart move. Um, I believe that same sort of thing used to happen with Tiger. There were there were outlets in the, the LA area and the Orlando area, even before the controversial stuff started, um, just to be ready to be the Tiger beat reporter. So I think yeah, I think that's what we got. All right. So speaking of outsized fame and and societal impact and just just uh, those personalities who suck all the oxygen out of the room and don't really leave any room for anyone else, I want to talk about the Dion effect. I don't call him Coach Prime. I wasn't calling him that even before. I really I've always enjoyed the. The, the show of Dion. I was there at Punt Ruski where he, where he had a punt return for a touchdown, and afterwards we've talked about it. Hopped up on a on a uh, bench in the visitors' locker room at Death Valley in Clemson and gave his spiel and and called himself Prime Time, the third person stuff. Everything that's going on at Colorado, uh, attention grabbing, and it's not surprising. Entertainment level not surprising uh, until the Oregon game. Uh, the quality of the product was surprising, um, but you know it's got it gotten out of hand. But what uh, the larger point here? I'm not here to debate whether Deion Sanders is a is a net positive or negative, or is he taking the sport you know that's already on the professional. It is already professional sports at that level, Power Five for sure, with the name, image, and likeness, and all the deals and the transfer portal, and you you need need a quarterback. It costs you about two million guaranteed. Somehow that's what. For one year, that it's all happening. But what I want to talk about is something I'll call staged spontaneity. Um, Dion's so great uh, at these locker room moments, but um, going back to when he showed up and you know made his his talk about uh, he chased off three quarters of the team. But now it's gotten to the point where Dan Lanning of Oregon, who's somewhat entertaining and a fine coach and a championship coordinator back at Georgia is getting to do his own rejoinder to this through his staged spontaneity through uh, everything's being captured by these social media teams. And if you go to a, uh, you guys, I don't know if Kimball's gone to any college football lately, but I, and I would imagine it's the same way to Carolina game, even, even in the Mac Brown era here, you can't have a college football game in the Power Five for sure without just hordes of, of essentially uh, intern or uh, undergrad people, kind of like we were at the Daily Tar Heel, working their butts off for free, capturing everything with boom mics and and absolutely and, and cameras, and they've got cell phone it's a film cameras. Crew. It's yes, a full film crew. Every every game is not a it's not a sports contest anymore. It's not an athletic contest. It's a documentary in progress. It's a and a, and a recruiting branding, film. Brand and a recruiting everything. Film. Yes. 
And so mm-hmm. you, you, what, what you think of is that you go into, you know, some, one of the, some of the most sacred moments, some of the most lasting moments, I would think, of interaction for teams, whether they're championship teams or just second division teams or whatever, when these guys think back on their career, you know, they think back decades later, wow, that time we were in the locker room, right, you know, at halftime and we were down, whatever, and we, and coach so-and-so said, you know, that thing, and I looked over, whatever. But what now, those memories will all in the future be tainted, I am telling you, regardless of schools, not just a shot at Dion. Regardless, it happens at Notre Dame. They have a, they throw so much resources at it, fighting Irish media. They all do. And I think it's gross. I just think it's gross. They can't even do pregame stretch. They can't have practice without hype videos being captured. And so everybody's playing to the camera, not just the coaches, but the uh, assistants, the school president, um, the AD, of course, Rick George at Colorado, out of control. And, and the whole thing is just, it's just become grotesque. It's just, it's just performative. And, and uh, it's, it's got to be reined in. So here's a solution. You guys always on me, you know, what's the point? Solution would be, I don't know exactly how they've structured it um, in uh, baseball, Kimball can maybe speak to the speci- real quick to the specifics, but the, uh, wasn't there a an idea floated, which I thought was this part I thought was weird, but oh, analytics are taking over the game, so we're going to have to have a salary cap for analytics and baseball research departments uh, because we don't want anybody to get an unfair advantage. It's time, whatever that, however they structure that, well, it might be time to have some sort of Oh, not that the NCAA can do anything, but I think there might be some everybody show their cards. Well, how many people do you have working on your social media team, really? Um, and then that needs to be capped somehow. Or or perhaps let's restore the sanctity of the pregame locker room speech, uh, the halftime speech. The po- I mean, you can't have a postgame celebration without being capped. And I know this. everything turns into a gif. And I've, I'm as guilty of it as anybody of, you know, if something good happens for Carolina, I go find the Roy Williams dancing in the locker rooms, Jeff, whatever. And it's, but on some level, I think we've, we've bastardized it. We've tainted it. And the, the people actually involved in it from the star quarterback, all the way down to the 116th man, the walk-on, their memories of it, of these sacred moments, is always going to be somebody, some stage producer on site on the side saying okay hold on everybody quiet 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 okay and rolling yeah that's mm-hmm. college sports today and i just think I, I i hope people see through what they're what's being foisted upon them in through reels and tiktok and all these supposed moments of incredible impassioned inspiration um you know even rockney had to recreate his speeches of course for hollywood and did it as long as you paid him. So it's, it's not a new thing, but um, it's still not good. What do you guys think? Excellent, excellent point. I, my my uh, take on it is that I think Dion is an extreme example, obviously. I, mean, I don't think it's quite quite so bad in other places. And and again, I don't, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying I blame Coach Prime for doing what he's doing. Obviously, it's working, um, working game notwithstanding. But 
obviously it's working. What he's what he's doing is 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 is, is a rousing success. And I but I do agree that I I wonder if there is ever a moment that Dion has with a player other than perhaps one of his sons uh, that is not captured on camera. I mean everything, everything that ha- every interaction because basically they're you know he's basically just making a giant documentary. Um, happens on is happening on camera with a boot mic hovering over over the heads of every you know every what should be i agree um you know uh private conversations between coach and player in some cases um i also i also think it's important to note you say college and i agree that if you think about it it's worse in college than it is in the pros when does that ever but it is worse in college than it is in the pros. I mean, think about it. You don't see quite as much film crew craziness at a at a, an NFL game or an NBA game. You don't see it at all at a baseball game that I've seen um, from at an MLB game. But yeah, in college, you see it everywhere. You're absolutely right. I mean, even at even at UNC, which is obviously not a not one of the not one of the sexier programs around. But um, but yeah. And that's why that's why I think it's all it's so much of it is recruiting related. It's it's just it's it it has it has become an epidemic in in college because it is basically just uh, just you know all these things are just basically a giant recruiting recruiting gig, and that's that's how they're that's how they're getting that's how they're appealing to high school kids. They just want they want to be part of this. They want to be part of this this giant documentary that that Dion's filming and uh, again I don't I, I don't like it for the same reasons that you pointed out but I understand it and I think anybody who sees what's happening in Colorado and understands how he's turned a 111 team into a legit program in in a minute is going to see that that if you can pull this off I mean obviously you need the character um, you need the you need you need Coach Prime to really make it work. It's not going to work quite as much for you know for a coach who doesn't have that that level of personality. But it's still um, it's it's unavoidably successful. And so I'm not you know not going to I'm not I'm not judging. I'm just making a personal statement that you that I agree with you that um, that we've lost any any sense of of the personal touch between coach and player because because it's basically just a giant film. Well, you know, I don't I don't know if it is unavoidably successful. And I, and I, what I'll say is this, like, first of all, maybe right there this weekend, it jumped up to bite them. Like, you know, putting that target on their backs, you know, maybe hurt them in how much Oregon came in and wanted to kick their butts. And and that's just one example. But over the long term, I think you find coaches, you know, I'm a great admirer of Bill Belichick and I just love and respect the man. And one of the things that is great about him is, is he doesn't let any of this nonsense happen to his team. And he, he you know, he's taken it to the level of paranoia, <laughs> uh, Nixon, but he, he is just tries to shut out all that stuff 
from his team because as you know coach knows like it, it can maybe only be a negative and a distraction and and I know college football is different and you need the recruiting but at some point it might police itself when it's like okay you know we got to still make the stake and not just like the sizzle and and then teams might realize okay at some point you know you need the privacy you need to insulate you can't put everything out there you you have to focus on practice and not you know the the video um so i think in some ways it might become an interesting you know uh philosophy you know choice for coaches how big do we go you know maybe oregon's going to have a target on its back now that that coach was like so vociferous you know and like patting himself on the back um and and you know you just don't need to give your opponents any more of an edge than you can so maybe it will somehow you know, find a happy medium or police itself. You really believe in that bullet board material? You really believe in that? You know, I, it's so hard to say, but but I think, um, you know, maybe I think more of a, in a karma way, you know, like it, maybe it affects you, like don't get too full of yourself, act like you've been, that, been there before. You know, maybe like, you know, you, 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 you put out this stuff for yourself and you build yourself so, so much up that you're, you know, you're only due for a letdown, you know, um, I, I don't know, but I, I think they're, and of course, I, I honestly, I do think Belichick takes it to an extreme of being so insular. And I've always thought as a coach, you can be honest and truthful to the media without being, you know, um, you know, overly, you know, uh, giving too much information to them or too little. I would say that NFL films, um, you know, did so much in the myth-making through the decades and even uh, some of the things that pop into mind about Parcells or or uh, Belichick, even uh, the interactions were captured by NFL films where there was a, they were true partners and that they were, nothing was going to be put out in a journalistic way, but it certainly helped uh, humanize and, and mythologize some of these coaches. What, what I'm concerned about, uh, and I don't really care about the recruitment, Tim's right, it, it is all about recruiting. It's also about collectives let's face it they're trying to get the people who used to have to hide in the shadows the car dealers and the insurance people and the ambulance chasers used to have to hide in the shadows and now you know and, and do their do their payments under the table and now they need to energize the base to donate um clemson long ago had ipte right uh and that was i still, still does yeah still they, do. they, they started that but now everybody's got their version of ipte and the numbers are not seven figures, not enough per year to raise there. You've got to have eight to uh, have a big time football program. So it's all gross because um, the, what I think maybe a standard should be as simple as if you wouldn't allow the credentialed media, the non-affiliated uh, with the university media, the, the legitimate media, you'd like to think, if you don't allow people who, to film your interactions journalistically, then why the heck are you inviting all these strangers? In many cases, they're still strangers. It's not like that's the team manager over there and the and the and the and the team dietitian necessarily doing the filming. It's these wannabe media people, future documentary and and Hollywood key grips, etc. Whatever. Uh, maybe directors, uh, maybe there's some good comes from that, but turning, I guess, turning interaction every, like Tim said, every little interaction into potential content 
by definition, warps the interaction. And it can't be authentic. And so the more you, that word, that's become a buzzword. Oh, it's so authentic. And I hear that a lot on this beat. And I just, I would push back and say nobody coaching, playing, uh, behind the scenes of uh, modern college sports, especially football, it seems, can be authentic anymore because there's always a camera watching. And who watches? Who goes through that footage at the end? That's the other thing. It's so weird. Is like you know, if somebody does say something that never makes it to the documentary, the hype video, but it wasn't really a good thing for the. You know, do they get penalized for that? Is Big Brother always watching? And Big Brother's the people who can take you off scholarship without any second uh, thought, year to year. Those are not five and six year deals. Those are year to year deals. Um, so how can anybody relax and just and build a team camaraderie, uh, do what they're there for, which is also to to get a degree, you'd like to think. That's another issue. Uh, but everybody's just a, just a prop. It, it turned into a prop. And it's to the point where they try to even, I, I think this happens elsewhere, they try to turn the media into props. And the media will be asked sometimes to come in there and, 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 and perform something. Um, I don't do that, but I see others under the guise of media. Uh, and then it shows up on a university website. And um, why? Why? So it's, it's, um, it's. So it's, let uh, me ask you, you bring up an interesting point. And, you know, I haven't been a journalist in a long time, but it is funny, right? When journalists get special um, access over other journalists, right? And I haven't been in that position. Maybe you guys have been where it's like, wait, wait, you know, Trent Grimm gets to go into the locker room and and uh, and hear everything that everybody says. And I'm waiting out here for you to let me in and get a few quotes. What? How have you guys dealt with that in the past or have you had to? That's the world we live in now. I mean, the, the debate, I have the debate weekly in my in my classes about how um, sports information departments now create their own content. They never used to do that. And so they have their own people that, that have their own access that is not the same access that the regular media gets. And so that's, you know, that's a, that's a constant cause of contention now, but that's one of the newspapers are dying is we don't have, newspapers don't have any access anymore. And, and, uh, athletic departments don't really have any have any uh, need to have that, to have them covered by uh, by newspapers anymore because they, they're churning out all the content they, they need and they know that they can control exactly what what content is going to be produced. Where the, why, why, why make it a wild card and leave it in the hands of people that are not, uh, you know, you can't edit it exactly and shape it and format it exactly the way you want it. So that's yeah, that's that's part of the reason why, um, you know, just regular regular local media journalism is dying because we just don't. There's no need for us to be there anymore. We're we're they've got plenty of content without us. I would I would just push it back to I, I, no one uh, no one who's not involved uh, with me. Virtually no one uh, who's not a media person or a former media person cares about. Uh, really, uh, what what's what our access is like in uh, in, in modern journalism. But 
my, my, I'll go back to the original point. Then I do think the thing that everyone should get everyone pause in this entire production, which just gets more and more, I mean, uh, just more and more uh, must-see TV. Notre Dame's uh, game against Ohio State was the most watched primetime regular, regular season, not primetime, regular season college football game for NBC, going back to the uh, game of the century, Florida State and Notre Dame 30 years ago. But uh, at one point, 14 million people were watching uh, the final drive for Ohio State. But uh, it's, I just think that um, what about everybody involved? You know, they all tell me, well, this stays here. This stays here. What, you know, it doesn't go beyond these walls. Well, tell that to your social media department. And, uh, and let's think about why we're here. So I know why I'm there to report on things and, this, and look for the truth and to be a conduit between the action and the, and, the, and the passionate fan base or those who are just casual observers. I know why I'm there. But to the players and the coaches and the handlers and the, uh, the, the people who put up the roadblocks, do they know? So um, this, is, this, this will not be fixed in one point on three-point range, but um, glad we talked about it. All right, well, that's our, that's our pod for this, this week. Thank you for finding us. Uh, for Kimball Crosley, the scout. For Tim Crothers, the professor. I'm Mike Berardino, the guy who gets in the way of the documentary sometimes. Uh, this is Three Point Range. Have a good week. Taylor Swift and Joe Musgrove. Kimball, make it happen. <laughs>